0: Welcome and wings if you had wings if you had wings had wings had wings
1: had wings had Sing like the birds
2: sing. And let's all stay together, please. WDW w- 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 Radio, your information
1: station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 241 for the week of September 25th, 2011. Walt Disney World will celebrate its 40th anniversary next week, and to honor the occasion, I'll continue with our look at its opening day attractions. This week, we'll look at not one, but two that welcomed guests on opening day in 1971. Both were simple pleasures that afforded guests unique views of the parks, and they also share the fact that neither is in operation today. So join me as we explore and examine the Skyway and Davy Crockett Explorer canoes. I'll have more information about our 40-hour live broadcast and charity auction celebrating Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary beginning on October 1st. Before I play some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, relax. And enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. With Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary coming up in just a few weeks, I thought it would be fun to look back at and try and closely examine some of the attractions That were part of the magic kingdom's opening day on october 1st 1971 and we've already started to visit some of the shows and attractions that were present on that day and examine their history take a really close look up at them their changes if any over time and possibly what the future may hold in store and as many disney fans are preparing for walt disney world's 40th on october 1st and our associated 40-hour live broadcast from the park, Scott, Help Us and Save Us, I thought it would be fun to look back at some more of the attractions that were there on opening day. And we started with the Swiss Family Treehouse, an attraction that really didn't change very much in the past 40 years. And today we're going to continue with not one, but two attractions that are similar to the Treehouse in their simplicity, but differ in not only the experiences themselves, but the longevity of the attraction as neither is still in operation today so back with me again this week to go back in time is ryan wilson from the main street gazette and contributing writer for celebrations magazine ryan welcome back
2: it's always a pleasure
1: I know you are um, equally as geeking out as I am. We were actually talking offline about some of the, uh, the things that we're, we, we look for on eBay that get us excited, that probably make our wives and friends shake their heads. But we know sort of the importance of what October 1st is going to mean, and that's why we thought it would be fun to look back at some of these old attractions as well.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you don't get to where you are without looking back at where you've been, and there's so much there. And some things that you forget about. And so it's, it's great just to be able to, to go back and check these things out again.
1: And, and, you know, I'm not sure why. But when I thought of, you know, what was going to be next on the list, just like the treehouse jumped out at me for the first one, for the next one, two attractions came to mind. And probably because they're extinct And probably also due to my recent frequent visits to the Magic Kingdom uh, when I've been talking about them a lot on my tours and interesting to see the reactions of people that either don't remember them or do remember them and what their memories of them are. And I think the first one that we're going to cover is one that a lot of us, especially in our generation, do recall, and it was the Skyway to Tomorrowland Actually, it's kind of a it's a two for here, Ryan. It's two for one because it was listed twice on the maps: Skyway to Tomorrowland or Skyway to Fantasyland. And then the other one we're going to cover is one that I think a lot of people don't remember. And those are the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes.
2: You're right. So we're going to cover like four lands in you know an hour looking at these two, and I think it is one of those things where it's, especially for you and I, we love those simple pleasures, and after we've been so many times, it's almost those moments that you have that time to relax and take it in, and these are two of those kind of attractions. And and two, you know,
1: we spend a lot of time, and I think we're sort of cut from the same mold, we sort of have that same DNA, that we, we like to wander the parks and we explore, usually ignoring our friends and family who are traveling with us, because we're looking at remnants of these attractions, the old Skyway building. And with the recent demolition, I think that's probably why this came to mind. Uh, you know, even we, as we sort of look along the shores of the rivers of America, we think about what used to be there. Um, sometimes, with something like the David Crockett Explorer canoes, unless you're looking for it, you wouldn't even know that that attraction or these attractions were even there at one point.
2: Right. They have these, these little... Hidden pieces that sh- that say that they were still there, or that you can remember of, as to why they were there. But otherwise, it's like today. It's oh, look at that nice you know building in the Alps over here that was a Skyway building, and people don't know. And it is. It's one of those things where my wife just hates going with me sometimes because I'm like, no. Do you see this little post over here? Do you understand what that means?
1: Yeah, and and we, you know, we're we're relatively close in age. My first trip to Walt Disney World was in November of 71. I was just three. I don't really remember it, but I do have the photo on Main Street with the bad hair and even worse shoes. Uh, But you're a little bit younger. I remember riding the Skyway. I don't have, you know, honest, vivid recollections of being on the Walt Disney World canoes.
2: Do you actually remember, you know, riding these attractions as a kid? No, I can't. I and actually it's really funny. One of my most vivid memories of a photograph I took when I was a kid is of my father on the Skyway as we're coming into Tomorrowland. And, you know, he has this, you know, ridiculous mop of hair. But it was, you know, this was my dad and I, you know, soaring over the Magic Kingdom. And with the canoes, you know, I can remember doing them once or twice. It wasn't something that we did all the time. It's not something I have a real vivid memory of, but I can remember them being there.
1: And these attractions too are similar because They were not open all the time. They were affected by things like weather and time of day and whatnot. So, you know, depending on when you went, you might not have had an opportunity to go, even if you were somebody that visited the parks,
2: you know, back in the early 70s. Right. I mean, you know, with the Skyway, you had things like wind and rain. Same thing for with the rain, with the canoes. Also, they close at dusk. You know, they weren't going to let you paddle around the river in the middle of the night. Yeah, and these
1: attractions, too, were also similar. And again, we'll start off kind of with the Skyway. You know, they had their origins like much of Fantasyland, you know, where, where the Skyway. And so when I think of the Skyway, I, I tend to think of that Swiss Chalet in Fantasyland. Like much of Walt Disney World's Fantasyland, it, too, had its origins in Disneyland, where their Skyway to Tomorrowland and to Fantasyland opened as early as June nineteen fifty six. So it gives you sort of an idea of where this attraction was technology wise as
2: well. Absolutely. And, and the image I think a lot of people have is of seeing Disneyland Skyway passing through Matterhorn Mountain. And that, you know, and back then the buckets, if you remember Florida's version, they were more square, whereas the ones that started in Disneyland were a little bit more round.
1: Yeah, and now correct me if I'm wrong, when it opened earlier in Disneyland, they were rectangular no, they were round and then they moved over to that rectangular shape. Right. Absolutely. And then two, uh, in Disneyland, I think you had the option initially of either going you can purchase a ticket. Remember, we we're, we're going back to the, the ticket book days. You could either purchase a one way ticket or a round trip ticket. And then later they turned it into sort of a one way trip, much like the Walt Disney World version.
2: Right. And in Disney World you did you had to use a ticket either way. To go uh, either from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland or from Tomorrowland back, and they actually made you get off in order to to reboard.
1: Yeah, and and I do remember, you know, riding this. Um, It was not a very, it was a a long attraction distance-wise, but it only took about five or six minutes. But what I remember vividly about this were those views as you passed over Fantasyland, especially when Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was there. And you could see over the the tent of the, of Cinderella's Golden Carousel, the Grand Prix Raceway. Uh, that is what, you know, really sort of sticks in mind. I can't tell you very much what the entrance at the chalet looked like as much as I could Tomorrowland. But I remember sort of going over and being amazed at the size of the lagoon at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea.
2: Yeah, it was one of those great vistas to just watch the subs, you know, coming through the lagoon. And I can – one of my – memories is and it's one of those staples from the skyway was that it had that 90 degree turn in the middle and the the noise that would be made when you went through that turn it it would scare me at times when i was when i was a smaller child and i remember that when you made that turn
1: which was which made this skyway very unique most of these other sort of cable car type attractions um That really, again, went back to, you know, the late 40s. I mean, that's when Disney sort of first found this out in Switzerland. They didn't have this 90 degree turn. And I remember a cast member being stationed there sort of inside the steel structure there. I guess making sure nobody tried to jump off or get out or whatever it might be. And I was like, that's not the job I would want at Disney
2: World. No, it's like I said. That that sound terrified me enough, and to have this person there, I, you know, I for some reason remember them kind of guiding the 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 skyway uh, gondolas around the corner to make sure they didn't bang into the metal structure, and you know, to and like you said, make sure people weren't climbing on the outside of their vehicle or trying to jump out of the uh, of the gondola.
1: And one of the things that when you sort of look back and like I said, as I, I go through Tomorrowland now, especially like when I'm giving tours and I'm talking about. The remnants, really, because it's not really there anymore, of the Skyway Station, which is by Space Mountain uh, in between there and uh, the Carousel of Progress, not far from where the uh, the outdoor stage is. It's been changed. It used to be a two-level structure uh, where the Skyway buckets had come in. And I said, you know, when Walt Disney World first opened in October 71... Tomorrowland, for being this vision of the future, was not all that very futuristic. There wasn't a lot going on there, and the Skyway was only one of two attractions located in Tomorrowland, and certainly, Ryan Wilson of the Main Street Gazette, you were able to tell me the other oh-so-modern and technologically-advanced attraction in Walt Disney World in Tomorrowland on opening day.
2: Oh, you would give me this question, wouldn't you? And I have, like, five (laughs) answers buzzing through my head. Um... No, it was. I gave it to Ooh. you already. I sold it to you. You sold it. To, see, and I was already going ahead, going. Oh no, I'm not going to be able to remember this. No, was it? Was it? Was it Mission to the Moon? No, you could see it from the Skyway Bucket. You could see it from the Skyway. The see, Grand Prix like like Raceway.
1: Idiot. Oh, of course. The Grand Prix Raceway. So you know. It's sort of modeled after the Autopia in Disneyland, but we don't really get it never was sort of futuristic themed. It wasn't sort of the race car of the future or the, you know, uh, the biofuel of the future. It was just, you know, a couple of small cars that went around in circles. But those two things, the um, the sort of old technology Skyway and, you know, a, a not so very modern version of the Autopia were the two things that sort of graced Tomorrowland, hence the, uh, the changes in
2: the look
1: and the theming and the story of Tomorrowland that came a number of years later.
2: Right. And, it, and I'm going to, to kick myself for a week now because I couldn't pull out the speedway. We're also um, recording very late at night, so you get a pass on that one. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't think the other people are going to give me a pass, but I'll take the pass. Uh, but I, you can remember the station, you know, and it had that great waterfall effect to it. But it was one of those, you know, everyone loves the Wedway. They love the tour through Tomorrowland. This was kind of the first version of that for, for the Magic Kingdom because you did get to tour through these various lands and see these different things that you might want to go experience later.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing about it too was there was no narration. There was no nothing. This was just that very simple type of, you know, not even self-guided tour, just that that one-way tour over Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, there wasn't anything sort of sort of explained to you what you were seeing along the way, much like you know the TTA would be.
2: Right. Could you imagine having a digital camera on a Skyway today and all the, the gorgeous views we could come up with? Ryan, I, I
1: will tell you that over the years, I've looked and tried to amass as, as much of a collection uh, and put out the call to listeners to help me find some photos of the Skyway. Now, I'm actually going to link... In this week's show notes to a blog post I did years ago because a listener actually took me up on it. And uh, probably maybe a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half ago, somebody sent me some great pictures from the Skyway. And like you, I'm like, ah, to just have, you know, my video camera or a digital camera because I would just ride like I do now. I would just ride back and forth over and over again just to get as many shots as I could. Not that they're – depending on where you looked, Ryan – it wasn't that, you know, there wasn't a lot to see. It was sort of the tops of show buildings. You know, it was just sort of but you and I, that's the kind of things that we just sort of geek out out. Now we just have, you know, Google Maps to do the same for us.
2: I was going to say you and I would just be sitting there from dawn till dusk and they'd have to kick us <laughs> back off. But it would be, I mean, I can remember seeing, you know, some air vents the, the boxes, you know, power boxes on top of the buildings. It was just – and it was the gray tops of the buildings. But you had those moments where you could see you know the, the carousel. You could see the tea party. You could see 20,000 leagues. And these were the, the, the eye candy that you were drawn to.
1: Well, imagine now. Imagine being able to – you know, while we're recording it now, imagine being able to ride the Skyway now and watching the construction of Fantasyland, the expansion of Fantasyland take place.
2: Oh, I know. I, I I mean, I know what I what I'm getting when I go on Dumbo right now, and <laughs> that view over the top. And I haven't ridden Dumbo in years, but I go every trip now. But to have to to watch that over, you know, over the weeks and months and years to just spring up in front of you would be extraordinary.
1: Yeah, and the the interesting thing too, and I'm happy you mentioned the waterfall because that was one of the things that I remember and that I, I liked. And I I know I have this weird obsession with water in the Magic Kingdom. I talk all about the fountains that used to be in an Adventureland and Caribbean Plaza, and I like those kinetic, those naturally kinetic elements, like the waterfall there, like the waterfall that they eventually added to the white pylons on the Avenue of the Americas. Um, very excited about what they're bringing to that expansion of Fantasyland, those mountains and those waterfalls and those rivers that are going to literally and figuratively sort of change the landscape of what is going to be. You know, on the opposite side, you had a very different sort of look and feel and again, there is no sort of story of the Skyway. But on the Fantasyland side, you've got this very distinct building that fits in with that alpine village. You've got this sort of Swiss chalet uh, tucked away in that corner where Fantasyland meets Liberty Square by It's a Small World.
2: Right. And, and I know you remember more of the Tomorrowland uh, Plaza. I remember part of the Fantasyland Plaza being like almost like a hike, you know, in hindsight – you were you were winding your way back and forth up this hill, and you know through little bridges and over little creeks, until you got up to to your gondola. And both of these things had very kinetic elements to them, like you were talking about. And it was this, these natural pieces that tied it so much into the real world, no matter where you really were.
1: Yeah, and you know one of the things that I think we're going to lose now, and again, the uh, Skyway Station in Fantasyland is being demolished. It's pretty much demolished now as we're recording in, in August, September 2011. Tomorrowland Station was demolished and refurbished and the first level was left there. The restrooms were there, but that second floor was taken away in the summer of 2009. And I I do, and I'm going to miss the way the landscape is set out there because I, I liked that little grotto and that little sort of pond and that pool that was there and sort of the feel that it gave to that section of Fantasyland. I think it sort of punctuated the story of, you know, traveling through medieval old world Europe as you're about to cross over into the new world when
2: you move over to Liberty Square. Absolutely, and that there were things that weren't all, t- all close together, that you did have these outlying structures and these outlying villages. And I'm hoping we're gonna get some of that, you know, with the new construction on the backside of Fantasyland that's gonna bring some of these hills back to life. But that has been a staple you know, and an icon of Fantasyland for 40 years. And it, it, it you know, I haven't seen it since they've started, started the the demolition. And I can only imagine when I'm down there next week what it's going to feel like to watch that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, one of the things I like to point out to people as they walk through, and again, I, I have memories of this and I, ha- I have photos of it, which certainly help, you know, refresh my recollection. But if you walk through Fantasyland, which, you know, right now is relatively, it's a midway. It's basically a straight shot from, the chalet where the uh the skyway terminal terminated uh, all the way down to the mad tea party you'll find the areas where those pylons the towers were removed and there were planters there and fountains there which sort of made up their bases so imagine those sort of dotting the line down the center of fantasy land and if you look down you probably never noticed these small circles of stones embedded in the pavement, that, those mark where those towers once stood. So if you've never seen them before, that you can sort of let your mind's eye try and imagine what they would have looked like both you know, vertically as well as horizontally through Fantasyland as well.
2: Right, uh, people like you and I have noticed them for years, but now everyone knows. <laughs> um, but you're you're absolutely right. And the other thing it gave you was a sense of movement to Fantasyland. You know, there's always been this hustle and bustle because feeling that that's that's the one land where everyone goes. But with the Skyway gondolas going back and forth, you had this sense of movement. You had these you know visual cues to look up and to look around and to see what else was around you.
1: Yeah, and people you know have have spoken about and have asked for years. What caused the Skyway to close? You know, the Walt Disney World Skyway closed on November 9th, 1999, exactly five years to the day after the Disneyland version closed. Uh, There was a Skyway in Tokyo as well, which also went between the same lands that closed in November of 1998. And there's been a, a lot of stories and urban legends and myths and rumors about what had happened uh, as far as injuries and accidents are concerned, uh, there was an accident in 1994 in Disneyland. There was one in 1999, but the, the cause of the close of the Skyway, I, I want to try and make it clear, was not because of a, geth, a guest-related fatality or injury. Um, there was a custodian who was working on it. Uh, it started up while he was cleaning it, and he was sort of swept off the platform, um, you know, and did lose his life. That was not the cause of it. That was not, you know, what sort of sounded the death knell for the Skyway. I think Ryan, there were a number of other factors as well. Uh, one of which it was very slow loading. Uh, certainly maintenance issues. It was not accessible whatsoever. I mean, you couldn't even get up to the Skyway buckets, let alone, you know. Um, get in and out of them if you are not able to be, you know, if you were in a wheelchair or if you were in a a scooter or if you were not very mobile. I mean, those are some of the things, much like 20,000 leagues under the sea, that uh, start to lead to an attraction like this demise. Because people say, well, you know, how costly could it be to operate? Why would they close something like this?
2: Absolutely right. There's, There's never one reason that leads to a closure of an attraction like this. It's always, you know, what kind of manpower does it take? Can, can it be easily accessed by all guests because that's really a heart and soul of Disney is they want to make sure everyone can experience as much of the parks as possible. And then you have you know, safety concerns because the, these gondolas weren't enclosed. You know, there, there were reports and myths of teenagers climbing on them, spitting out of them. And so you compile all these different pieces and that, then you start to see the whole picture as to why something like the Skyway would close. And see, I'm happy you said that, so I don't
1: sound like a crotchety old man, which I'm not, but I think too, you know, let's be honest, possibly over time there is more of a temptation. You know, look, I think kids today in, you know, 2011 are probably different than kids were in 1971. We were all so well-behaved in the early 70s, but now, you know, the temptation is there to maybe throw something out of there or spill your drink out or do something that... You might find as as you know fun or funny, but could cause injury you know to somebody down there, or can ruin somebody else's guest experience. And I have to think that maybe you know some of those things might have actually played a part in that because the temptation is there, and you can't necessarily prevent that kind of stuff from happening. You can't watch and stop the ride midway as they're you know in halfway in between uh you know Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. You know, it's got to just sort of keep on going until until they got to the end. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily doubt that 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 might have played
2: a, a factor into it as well. No, absolutely. You know, there's there are there are so many factors, and y- like you said, spilling a drink, you put a you know you've put a cage around it, it can still get the drink out. You know, you can't stop it. Can you imagine an evac in the middle of Fantasyland? Right. You know, it, hanging out up there. Um, it, so it does. It, it, you know you, you you have to take into consideration everything that could go into something like this.
1: And so I got to ask you, because I'll admit to you, there was something as relaxing of an attraction as it was and and slow moving and beautiful to see. And again, those views that you got, especially think about it in the early 70s, you know, that was pretty much the high point. And I mean that in a literal sense of what you could see, maybe except other, with the exception of um, like the Swiss Family Treehouse. You know, it was kinda scary. It was kinda scary being up that high, <laughs> dangling by nothing other than a wire. There was always that fear, like, yeah, you know, I think my mother was just instilled you know, one good gust could just blow this thing right <laughs> off uh, the track and he got that ninety degree turn and kinda dipped down at one point two. So there was a little bit of,
2: of a fear factor to it. There was, you know, this was this was a pretty mild thrill ride, but it had its thrills to it. Um, and I can remember I, I, my sister sitting on the floor of the gondola the first time we took her on it because it was terrifying to her to be up that high. Um, but it was yeah, there were a lot of good. I mean, you know, we talk about being able to see the construction of Fantasyland now. Guests in the early '70s got to watch Tomorrowland build up around them. Space Mountain, you know, came up just like Fantasyland would be now. Yeah,
1: and again, you you only wish that there's somebody who's got their you know Super 8 film sitting somewhere in their parents basement or attic somewhere that has that kind of footage in it that we just don't get a chance to see now.
2: Yeah, wouldn't it be something? I know it's not in my in in my parents collection. I've I've tore it apart. And I can tell you that before, you know, that that
1: Fantasyland
2: Skyway station,
1: you know, obviously both of them sat empty for years. From what I understand, the Tomorrowland station, the second floor was actually used for storage. I had heard a rumor That the timekeeper, when he was extracted from the Metropolis Science Center, he was stored up there in a crate for some time. Um, But I had always thought that that Swiss chalet that sat at that far end of Fantasyland always had a little bit of potential. Granted, there was not a lot of space back there. You couldn't put an attraction in there because it is sort of shoehorned in between the show buildings for the Haunted Mansion and It's a Small World. But for me, and again, how quickly the conversation turns to food, I'm like, <laughs> chocolate shop. Chocolate shop in the Swiss chalet, it all just sort of fits in right there. Because I always ooh, wondered, ooh. What, what could you do? What could you have done with that space? That's true. You, know, you have like the Carmel Couch now in Germany. That would have fit perfectly
2: right there, there in the go. corner. Um, I heard many I people say beer garden, but again, no alcohol in the Magic Kingdom. So Right. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> uh, or not so much. But you, you, there's, there's potential there for like a small – you know, always was for like a small stage. For musical acts, Um, you know, now there were so many other uses in a stroller parking lot, which is what it became. Um, And, you know, my only hope now is that with the demolition, whatever comes there next, you know, has that same quaint charm to it. Those are going to be the quaintest, most charming restrooms in all (laughs) of (laughs) America.
1: For the prince and princesses only. But you know that you and I are going to go there and – Much like the the tree at the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh with the 20,000 League sub inside of it, we're going to look for some sort of a reference to the Skyway to Tomorrowland in the men's room and sending our wives into the ladies' room.
2: Exactly. We have to have the counterparts (laughs) with (laughs) (laughs) cameras. Because they'll hide it one in one side and one in the other. Uh, Absolutely. You know we'll be looking for it.
1: Excuse me, security. Ryan Wilson's taking pictures in the men's room again. Can you please have him escorted out of the parks? Oh, yes. (laughs) That's your
2: photographs.
1: So, but yeah, I think there was, um, I think we said like the Swiss family Treehouse, uh, you know, the Skyway, there was something elegant in the simplicity of, that was just sort of one of those simple pleasures of Walt Disney World. It wasn't technologically advanced. It wasn't, uh, you know, filled with story. It wasn't sexy. It didn't, wasn't fast. But there was something that was just, you know, like like the train, just really charming about an attraction like that.
2: And, and, and if you've been following along as we go and as we continue to go with this, you're going to realize there's a theme to the early days of the Magic Kingdom. And it was this very simplistic, very, but very charming, very kind of tied to the human experience things where like the train, these boats, the tree houses, walking attractions, transportation attractions, stuff that you saw in your everyday life, but that was in such a presented in such a different way that you, you just fell in love with them. Well, I think that actually you know, affords us a, a good segue to the other attraction because you talked about the
1: human element and the Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes had that. Unlike any other attraction in, in Walt Disney World or anywhere else that I can think of, this was an attraction where you, we talk now about immersive experiences and things like sorcerers of the magic kingdom and all these type of things that let you go beyond a passive experience. You're not just sitting, you're not just watching and listening. You become a part of the attraction. This is it. This was where that level of interactivity kicked off because you were, you know, what powered your canoe
2: around the rivers of America. That's right. You needed the drums and you had to put your back into it. No. <laughs> not really. No, that's not it. <laughs> Um, but the, the canoes you're absolutely right you, unlike and we're giving away something here but the river boats, these weren't on a track they didn't have an engine you, it, was pull, it was pure manpower that got the, these canoes through the rivers of America and this is one of the ones Ryan I'm sure you
1: encounter this too that when you take people through the Magic Kingdom and you talk to them about you know, you know again the rivers of America at one point was like the hot spot there was a lot of stuff going on there because you had you know you had the uh, the Liberty Bell, which wasn't the Liberty Bell back then, but you had the Richard F. Irvine going around. You had the Mike Fink keelboats. You had the Tom Sawyer rafts going back and forth. And you had these man-powered canoes not on a track. This And this was a big deal. Remember, this goes back to Disneyland, which certainly their frontier land was based on the, you know, um, incredible success and uh What Davy Crockett meant in the 50s, you know, you can't even sort of try and uh, compare it to something today as to what Davy Crockett was as far as its popularity, the the whole idea of the Westerns and the story, letting guests become part of that story that they were watching on TV, you know, was was incredible at the time and certainly moved over to Walt Disney World when it opened as well.
2: Absolutely. It'd be – you know, if you have a teenage girl right now, it'd be like – David Crockett was like Justin Bieber but with a little bit more substance. Dude,
1: I do um, that all the time. That's the analogy that I give. That's, that's it. David Crockett to. was the Justin Bieber of his time and teenage girls look at me like, what are you talking
2: about? There is no one better than, than Bieber. Um, do you have Bieber no, fever? It, it, no, I do not have the Bieber <laughs> fever. But you did. These Rivers of America and – and I've written about it. I can't even count the number of times on the Gazette about how busy – This area between Liberty Square and Frontierland was in the in the 70s and 80s. You had the canoes, you had the rafts, you had, you know, once Tom Sawyer's Island opened, you had people running around over there. You had the windmill. It was very very energetic, and it was this river town. It was it was a full fledged river town, operating day in and day out.
1: And all those attractions that you mentioned, all were similar. They all sort of had the same, uh, you know sort of same aspect to it which was they were very slow they were very relaxing they were just meant for you to you know for the most part sit back relax and enjoy the views that you got and the stories that you got here you know, you board this 35 foot long canoe with a coonskin capped cast member you know dressed up like davy crockett and who's was like all right you know sit down grab an oar Because, you know, you're going to now granted the boats were very light. Uh, The paddling to a certain degree was almost for more for fun and for show than for anything else. Because if need be, the two cast members on on the front and the back of the canoe could row you to wherever you needed to go. But there was something incredibly fun and exhilarating and, you know, gave you sort of this vested interest
2: in, you know, how your adventure was going to go. Right, and this was one of those things. You had twenty guests, you know, two rows of ten, and you know it was a C ticket. I mean, this wasn't you know your A ticket attraction. You were gonna do something. It was you were going places, and you had to talk about you know the Rivers of America had so many little set pieces to look at, and you did have stuff to see while you were there. But it was gonna be very slow. It was gonna you were gonna have to take some time. It was an investment to get on this attraction, and you did have the cast members there to you know be your rudder in case so you weren't just going in circles.
1: Yeah, and now it's it sometimes hard, I think, Ryan, for people to maybe remember this attraction because as you walk through Frontierland, as you walk sort of from Liberty Square and sort of follow that story of our westward expansion, you don't really see right in your face, much like you do. You know, it's easy to point out by the Haunted Mansion, this was the landing for the Mike Fink keelboats. You really have to know where to look and sort of wonder where the the Crockett Explorer canoes went from because they really were farther down the shores of the Rivers of America, past where you uh, get on and off the rafts for uh, Tom Sawyer Island. So if you look now to where Miner's Cove is as you come out by Big Thunder Mountain, unfortunately it's a smoking area now, but that dock is what was one time used for the Explorer canoes. And if you go there, you can still find some really cool you know, storyline and details or some of the mining operations stuff go there, but try and imagine. And remember, Big Thunder wasn't there. Splash Mountain wasn't there. There was a whole bunch of nothing going on in that section of Frontierland other than what was taking place on the
2: rivers of America. You're absolutely right. And you could see how they spaced the attractions out, you know, just just far enough apart to to pique your interest as you walked around. You had the Mike Fink keelboats over there by the dock, by the Haunted Mansion. You had the riverboat where the riverboat's always docked. Tom Sawyer's raft, and then you'd walk a little bit further under some trees and some shade to this dock for the canoes. And you're right, there are little details still there. You know, if you're on the riverboat, you can see the name, you know, Mike Fink, you know, in his keel boat there. That's a reference. That's a David Crockett reference as well. Uh, but it was out of the way. You had to kind of see, you know, the canoes on the river and wonder, well, let me go try that. Right. And it wasn't
1: there all the time. That was, I think, part of the problem. They they never sort of ran on a consistent schedule. They were very, very seasonal. Uh, obviously, they closed at dusk as well. So it didn't sort of hit you in the face like there's a giant mountain in the back. Let me see what's over there. You kind of had to know that they were there, hope that they were running, and then again be sort of relatively physically fit enough to get into the canoe side by side with you know somebody else there was sort of like 10 rows of two seats uh and be able to sort of paddle around the river i will tell you as a recovering attorney i sometimes sit and wonder how did that get past the lawyers but then when you see some of the attractions that were there in disneyland in the early 50s and 60s uh i think we were a much less litigious society back then
2: (laughs) I, i think you're absolutely right i mean you know the. You know the big fear and the big myth out there is that they were afraid people were going to fall in the river and that what would come out of that. But back then it was, you know what? This is what you did for recreation. You would get out on on a river or on a lake and you'd paddle a canoe or a boat of some sort. Right. What what could possibly go wrong having guests paddling around?
1: But and you know the funny thing is is that they are still operating in Disneyland. You know, and then that sort of the attraction. Went through a number of changes as sort of where you board in, and it was originally known as the Indian War Canoes as part of the uh, Indian Village expansion back then. Then it was, um, I, I know in Tokyo, it operated under like Beaver Brothers, Beaver Brothers. Mm-hmm. Canoes. So it's, you know, it's still operational elsewhere, but didn't necessarily survive as long in Walt Disney World because it actually closed around 1994. So relatively speaking, not a very long-lived attraction either.
2: No, it's one of those times where, where the seasonal status, you wonder if this is kind of where it came, you know, that myth came from, seasonal is the first death nail of an attraction, because these canoes, you know, they didn't operate in the winter, you know, contrary to belief, it does get cold in Florida during the winter, and that water does get icy, uh, it, it, so it couldn't operate those times, you couldn't operate during a storm, it, there were all these restrictions on to when, when and where they could paddle, and so y- you wonder, you know, how one, how these attractions are surviving in other parks, but two, it is amazing that it lasted as long as it did. And, you know, I, I miss, especially now,
1: the feeling that I, I understand and I appreciate the parks and the stories and the detail so much more, obviously, than I did, you know, when I was much younger. I, I would love to be able to sort of go back in time now, even just to go on the rivers of America, because you've got that sort of grand Liberty Bell Riverboat attraction and the storyline and the views that you get from there. You get something completely different inside and from, you know, that lower angle and paddling along with the story being told by the cast members dressed up like Davy Crockett uh, in the Explorer canoes. And I would love to sort of be able to have that experience one more time. And think back to how different it must have looked. Again, 1971, Tom Sawyer Island not open. Nothing really passed Pecos Bill other than a very, very small little train station. Uh, the foliage and the landscaping hadn't been grown to it was not as lush and as dense and as green. And to be able to see some pictures or some video from inside one of the Explorer's canoes is something I would
2: love to see today. And, and just to hammer home this, this point about the foliage, I can remember. There, I can remember seeing pictures recently of someone from the the Walt Disney World Railroad pulling out of Frontierland and having a straight shot to the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's how bare it was back then. Yeah, I remember there was also,
1: uh, you know, the waterside walkway wasn't there. I mean, a lot of things. I mean, the landscape really, really changed. Of course, we go back to 1971. We think about the landscape. We don't think about wanting to see the construction of Big Thunder and Splash Mountains. We see Western River Expedition and Thunder Mesa.
2: Oh, my heart be still. <laughs> yeah, the video that just came out of it from, from D23 with the walkthrough with the models, it Just, I, I was just like, please, please. I was willing to beg them for it. You know, but still, and I think, you know, I encourage people
1: all the time. And I actually just wrote it the other day. I took a couple of relative first timers who hadn't been there since they were kids and they were bringing their kids for the first time and I almost sort of forced them to ride the riverboat uh, you know because again they wanted to ride Pirates and Haunted Mansion and Big Thunder and Splash and I said you know you need to ride the riverboat you need to sort of sit there and look at those little vignettes on the port and starboard side and listen to the story and listen to the narration that's being told. And And I sort of along the way was telling about, you know, what used to be there, like the burning cabin. And I pointed out Beacon Joe and sort of the, the Pocahontas Indian village, which really shouldn't be there, but it's there anyway. <laughs> um, because I, I think it is sort of a, a great sort of relaxing journey. And, and, you know, all these things we've been talking about, the treehouse, the skyway, the canoes, Mike Fink, you know, we, we talk all the time about things like the Swan Boats and the TTA, we always seem to come back to you know, we love the thrill rides, we love the classics, but there is something wonderful and nostalgic and comforting uh, about a lot of these attractions.
2: Absolutely, it's the same family of, of attractions, and it, it's just so simple, and it is, like you said, we're cut from the same cloth, we love these kind of really simple ways of Getting around, soaking in the environment you're in, whether it's the you know, an omnibus down Main Street, the the Swan Boats, the the T T A, you know, even the speedway has its place. It's just these different these different looks, these different vantage points, these great little just stories that they've created that you have to sometimes force, even friends and family, you have to drag them on. And once they're there, they, they sometimes see it, sometimes they don't, but at least you've done your job to try to get them there.
1: My six-year-old son was fascinated by the riverboat. He loved it. He was asking questions the whole time, both about the riverboat itself and what we were seeing. Uh, and, and that's what I was excited to see That even at that age He and a couple of other young kids who were there Were very much engaging what was going on It wasn't like, oh, just get us off this thing This is so boring and There so my, is hope for the next generation uh, Listen, I've been brainwashing him since birth um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, we planned it so that my daughter Would be born on Mickey Mouse's birthday November you 18th Is to, her birthday? Brain- <laughs> <because you laughs> we timed to. it, alright, honey, now yeah, Okay, uh, so But my question to you And to the listeners, Ryan, is this. Look, when you go to, not that we would go anywhere else, but (laughs) you don't see skyways for the most part in existence anywhere else. You don't see something like the Explorer canoes in existence anywhere else. Could they come back? Could something like those attractions ever come back, even if in a slightly modified form? If you've got these skyway buckets that are enclosed and plexiglass or, or air conditioned or whatever they might be, you know, could they come back? Could the Skyway come back in some form? Could something like a you know guest-powered Davy Crockett Explorer canoe come back?
2: You know, I've written and I and I've written about this on the Gazette this year alone, and I would love to see these things come back. You know, there used to be so much you know of this kinetic energy of this movement of you know transportation present in the parks, and it's just it's something you don't see enough of, I think, these days. But at the same time, I wonder. How much success could you have with something like that? You know, you'd have things maybe like a gondola in a Venezuela pavilion in Epcot. You know, maybe you could have a gondola ride there through a dark ride instead of over the park. Uh, it, it would, I think they have their place. I think we, they would have to be in a different form than they, are, than they were when we remember them.
1: Yeah, because, I, you know, I think, you know, you and I and, and other people that are like us would say, oh, we'd love to see these come back and these nostalgic things and the simple pleasures and the views, you know. But today we're a much faster paced society. Kids want, you know, interactivity and high technology. And if money's going to be spent, people want it to be spent, you know, in different ways in the parks. And they say, well, why would you spend it, you know, bringing back a canoe that I have to paddle myself when you can be doing, you know, A, B, C or D. Right, but and, and so I wonder, you know, I wonder and I, I would love to hear from guests from from guests from <laughs> listeners either about their memories of the Skyway and or the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes. You know, their thoughts about would they like to see something like this come back or are we just, you know, are we living in the past or are we living just on, you know, nostalgia alone when we think about these kind of attractions?
2: Yeah, it is, it's that it's that real fine balance of. Yeah. Do you remember the days when the rivers of America Were a water highway And would that come back now Chances are with the canoes I don't think you'd see a full canoe very often Right I, I think
1: you have a better chance of something like A swan boat coming back Because it's sort of, you know I always sort of refer to it as, as the TTA on water um, <laughs> You know, something like that Coming back where it is just sort of A relaxing attraction um, You know, and again Something that wouldn't require a lot of time or money or things like that. But again, I think um, this is where people are saying, "You guys are old. Get over it and build us a new Monsters Inc. roller
2: coaster or something." I know, <laughs> I know that we're, we want our beastly kingdom. We don't want your, you know, your Discovery boats.
1: Come on, I know, people. I know. So they they see things like the Seven Dwarfs Minecart and they're like, "That's what we want to see." And look, I, I am as excited as the next seven-year-old about the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. But again, it would be nice to see that. And see that expansion of Fantasyland from you know ninety feet up in the air.
2: Right, they're excited about the mine trains. We're excited that there is grass and water coming to Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. This, 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 this is why you know th- there aren't that many of us. <laughs>
1: well, you know what? I think there probably are more of us uh, than we think, and hopefully, these segments are going to rekindle some of those memories that people might have forgotten about that they had of some of these attractions or encourage them the next time they're in the Magic Kingdom to look around and and see if they can find those circles of stones and look at the old location of the Skyway building and see if they can find the landing dock of the Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes. And again, come to wdwradio.com, click on this week's podcast show notes and comment and share your thoughts there. Let's continue this conversation. I want it to be more than just us speaking with you and at you we want to hear back from you as well again i will also put a link in the show notes to a, a blog post and a number of photos i had with some views from the skyway from last year uh, in this week's show notes i'm also going to link you guys over to main street gazette it's mainstgazette.com i say this all the time ryan you are one of the few bloggers and i'm not just saying it because you're here well I, I i am but i mean it too <laughs> that you consistently for years pump out not just daily content, but great daily content, You know that is insightful and it's inspiring and makes you think and you've got pictures and just great story behind it. So I really encourage people to come by, read and subscribe. And also if you check out Celebrations Magazine, uh, you've been doing some great contributions there as well. And we were really honored to have you be a part of the team there too.
2: It's, It's my honor, it's my pleasure
1: awesome and we will have to do this again we have many more attractions to cover some of which might actually have might actually be something more than being (laughs) self-powered by the
2: guests so (laughs) i see bears and submarines in our future i definitely
1: see bears and and if if we've just spoken for 45 minutes about a canoe and a bucket imagine how long we could speak about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea.
2: It's a series unto itself.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, buddy, thank you again. This is great, and uh, we'll have to do this from the parks one day, too. Definitely. Davey, Davey Crockett,
0: the man who don't know fear. He went off to Congress and served a spell, fixing up the government and laws as well took over washington so i
1: heard that's going to do it for this week's show thanks again for taking the time and tuning in thanks also to my guest ryan wilson from the main street gazette i'd love to hear from you your comments about your memories of the skyway and or the davy crockett explorer canoes or anything that maybe you remember from walt disney world's opening day or year in 1971 Come by the website at www.radio.com. Leave your comments in the show notes for show number 241. While you're there, be sure to explore our website, our daily blog posts, contests, discussion forums, videos, and lots more. If you want to be heard on the air, you can always call the voicemail toll-free at 888-703-2171 or email me directly at lou at in addition to the podcast, don't forget to check out our weekly live video broadcast and chat every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.newscast.com. There we'll discuss the news real time with you in the chat room. You can be an active part of the conversation. And if you can't make it live, that's okay. You can always catch it on our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash WDW Radio on the WDW Radio blog or I'll post the audio only in iTunes as well. Please also join the WW Radio family and community, meet other Disney fans in our discussion forums or in person at Meets of the Month, including events like the Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and the WW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream in November 2012. For more information, you can visit DisneyMeets.com. You can also follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello and join the WW Radio Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Radio. Don't forget, too, about the Celebrations Magazine Holiday Special Edition. We are putting the finishing touches on this brand-new, limited-edition, hardbound, deluxe issue. It's going to feature all-new content exclusive to the holiday book, including behind-the-scenes stories of holiday celebrations at Walt Disney World, past and present, and hundreds of all-new color photos from the holidays at Walt Disney World. It's a great way to give yourself or someone else a gift for the holidays, It's going to start shipping in early November for $24.95, but you can pre-order your copy now at the exclusive discount price of just $19.95 plus shipping. You can visit celebrationspress.com for more information. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, including MouseFan Travel. They are my exclusive and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. So if you're coming to Walt Disney World for the holidays, visit mousefantravel.com for the best possible prices and discounts. An amazing level of personal service all at no extra cost to you all-star vacation homes is providing our home base for the 40-hour live broadcast next week and if you want to go and check them out everything from two-bedroom condos to seven-bedroom homes within just a couple of miles of walt disney world you'll be able to see they have private pools spas kitchens game rooms multiple master bedrooms lots more wonderful amenities again visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com Next week begins Epcot's International Food and Wine Festival. Don't forget about the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic taking place the weekend of October 7th and 8th. I'll be visiting on October 7th, Friday evening. Looking forward to enjoying the more than 30 stations uh, with selections from Shula's, Il Molino, Blue Zoo. Todd English is actually going to be there as well. Some of the seminars include wine blending, modern mixology. There's also a cocktail 101 class that's going to take place during the festival. Again, the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic is Friday, October 7th, and Saturday, October 8th, beginning around 4.30 p.m. For more information, you can visit swandolphinfoodandwineclassic.com. I'll put a link as well in this week's show notes at www.radio.com. Quick reminder about our 40-hour live broadcast celebrating Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary. We're going to begin Saturday morning, October 1st, in the Magic Kingdom. Continue on to the Food and Wine Festival, a wine and dine, half marathon, post-event party later on that night. We'll be back in the parks the next day. For more information, visit wdwradio.com/forty. Also, don't forget we're also going to have forty auctions for 40 years, meaning we're going to be doing a fundraising charity auction to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America through our Dream Team project. We're going to have 40 lots for 40 years, everything from Disney theme park collectibles, merchandise, custom items, exclusive, some unique experiences, and lots more. Again, we'll have more information coming this week about the auctions and a sneak preview of some of the lots. Visit www.radio.com slash 40 for more information that is going to do it for this week's show i need to probably start resting up for the 40 hours straight that we're about to do next week as always my friends if you like the show all i ask is that you please help spread the word let others know about it tweet out that you're listening share it on facebook or google plus and please come by review the show and the iphone apps over in iTunes and always remember that there is no time like right now to start pursuing your passion and it is never too late to take those first steps. So be positive and always keep moving forward. Thank you all so very much for taking the time once again out of your busy week to tune in and listen. I sincerely appreciate it. I look forward to seeing and getting a chance to meet more of you hopefully during the October 1st events coming soon. So until next time, thanks again for listening. See ya.
0: Hi Lou, this is Emily from Suffolk, Virginia. Um, And I'm calling in to just tell you how much I appreciate how positive you are about um, the news that comes out of Disney. When I heard about the Avatar Land and Animal Kingdom this week, Even though I was, you know, I'm a little skeptical about it, I'm still trying to be positive about it and my husband could be more excited about it. And last night we watched your newscast about it and I'm just always pleased that you have such a positive outlook on things because unfortunately it seems like people can be so negative about it and I was really surprised how negative the feedback was and, and how much of a backlash there was. And it was really, you know, after a day of reading negative comments on the boards and on Disney's blog, it was really nice to hear your bit about what's on it. And I think that's awesome. And that's, I guess, why I continue to listen to your show so much. Because I love hearing from you. I love hearing your uh, point of view on things. So keep it up, Lou. We really love it. Bye.
3: Hello, it's Emma calling here from the UK. I just wanted to call and say how much I've been enjoying the shows recently. Uh, you know that I love the top ten. I think a good top ten would have been top ten attractions most likely to keep you awake during the 40-hour show. Perhaps you'll uh, need to update that list in a couple of weekends' time. I also wanted to call and let everyone know that we'll be holding a WDW radio fans meet on Saturday, the 15th of October in London. We'll be having a Disney themed raffle, goodie bags, and a tour of the reimagined Disney store in Oxford Street. So it would be great if, you know, anyone who's in London, whether you're local or perhaps from uh, overseas, if you're in London on the 15th of October, it would be great for you to come and hang out with us. Um, if anyone wants any more details, then you can tweet me on Twitter at PinkEmmaUK or contact me on the WDW radio forums via PinkEmma666. Um hopefully loads of people are going to turn up and us Brits and visitors can uh, sit down and talk about WDW radio for hours. <laughs> um, I can't wait for the 40 hour show in a couple of weeks. I'll be in the box. Um, supporting as much as I can of the 40 hours. Thanks for everything you do, Lou, as always, and uh, see ya.
0: Hi, Lou. This is Hannah from Wheaton, Illinois. I just wanted to tell you that I love listening to your show, and it really is probably one of the best parts of my week. Uh, I'm a huge Disney nut, and uh, my boyfriend is two. We've been together for almost three years now, and we both enjoy listening to your show, and it really gets me super excited to go back to Disney World once again. So I just wanted to tell you, keep doing what you do, and uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. It's Darlene Seagy from West Pentagon, New York. Hope all is well. I am so excited that you're going to Alani. I cannot wait to hear all about it. It's a dream that I've wanted to go to Hawaii for a really long time. And now that you're going to Alani and Disney has Alani out in Hawaii, I think I've almost talked my husband into it. So that would be phenomenal if I could go one of these days. So I can't wait to hear your report. Thanks for the roundtable on the Expo. It was fantastic. It felt like I was there watching it in the box. <laughs> um, so I will talk to you real soon. Have a magical trip and a safe one uh, to you and Becky, have fun. Um, I am sure that you're going to bring us back all wonderful news. Talk to you real soon. Bye. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.